Blunt. Listening to CITR Radio FM 102 Cable 88.5, and it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Old and Weird. Thank you, Old and Weird, for sending me that track. Today on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Peter Murphy from Bauhaus and Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson and Peter Murphy on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Coming up right now is another record that I was given and sent by the fine people at Team Science Records. Thank you, Team Science. You gave me a whole bunch of great records. And one of them is The Energy. We're going to hear The Energy with Perfectly Possessed and then another record that was sent to me on an Ardwarda Human Serviette radio show on CITR is The Beaten Hearts. And we're going to hear Red Line Girls, The Beaten Hearts from Moncton, New Brunswick, slash Seattle, slash Tacoma, slash recorded in Portland. The Beaten Hearts. So, The Energy with Perfectly Possessed from Team Science Records, The Beaten Hearts with Red Line Girls, an interview with Peter Murphy and Marilyn Manson, all on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Here's The Energy. I told you down with feeling I can't stop on the pressure Don't kill me my possession The brain is all in error My curse is so much better You lose but I don't care My energy's so sour Just listen now I'm working I'm hot up for recreation It's in my possession I'm living I can't suck the fuck the 
Yes. Oh, you've been reading the website. That's right. Batman in Gotham City. And also Vampire of the Moon? No, that's not a name I've ever ascribed to myself. Batman is, though. Wasn't there Vampire of the Moon or something like no, that in Mexico? Oh, uh, no, that, that, that sounds like... No, that was the... Oh, that's right. That was the, uh, the presses, the configuration, labelling of me. That was my, my title in Mexico City, that very Catholic, passionate sort of... Uh, Entitlement that I get there. Vampire of the Moon. So, Peter, you're here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Canadian Connections. You wrote some stuff in Montreal. Lorena McKinnett's violin players on tour with you. Canadian Connections. That's right. That's right. Lorena McKinnett's violin player, Hugh Marsh, who's, who's an incredible violin player. He's, he's worked with a lot more artists than uh, Lorena McKinnett. Lorena McKinnett has a lot of uh, Eastern connections as well, Middle Eastern sort of flavors in her music. And I suppose I met Hugh actually through working with Arkin Allen who lives in Montreal and he's a 
DJ, uh, electronica uh, artist. Plus, he's also he also has he's Turkish, and he's been living and working in Montreal for. A, a number of years now and I met him in Istanbul actually because he has another identity called Mejan Dede and he released an album called Sufi Dreams which uh, I picked up in Turkey and was one of the most uh, the forward-looking modern sort of pieces of Sufi music which was mixed with a truly electronica approach which I thought was really interesting and very fascinating and you know the first time that I'd heard anything of that of that kind so uh, we met up and we started writing together in Montreal and I actually played uh, met them all down there in Istanbul when Mejan was playing with his Mejan Dede ensemble and she was playing with him uh, along with a Shankar Shankar tabla player and uh, it was really interesting to see Hugh work in that context and that's why I've asked him to come on this this particular tour which is not really unplugged it's not acoustic yet it's not a, a full arrangement of the songs it's kind of like a very sort of a weird uh, naked stripped of artifice sort of uh, version of the songs you, you, you probably heard new arrangements of not 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 really new arrangements but just uh, taking the arrangements away actually and just uh, playing the bare, bare bones of the songs. Now, not all of my songs work like that because they are very much arranged and collages of uh, layers. So, Peter, it, just curious, when you were in Montreal, Peter, where did you hang out? Would you have a favorite place in Montreal after spending time there? I was working all the time, and it was in a loft area, and I, I'm not quite sure where we were in, in relation to the town centre, but it was in... a uh, an amazing loft area where there, there were lots of musicians actually hanging around and this was Arkin's own place and he has his own studio there and we were basically writing so uh, a couple of the songs we did there actually which are sort of like uh, ethno-electronic but not any of them uh, sort of Turkish Middle Eastern yet, yet completely um, Peter Murphy textured ideas. I'm going to be playing on on the show as part of the encore. Uh, and one of the songs is called Just for Love, and that that's a title track of the the tour, really. And th those are just to give a hint to the audience of what what's coming next, because this is going to be the direction I want to take on the next album. So, Peter, you're here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. But as I kind of showed you earlier, what can you tell the people about this? What is this, Peter well, Murphy? This was the original. Uh, this was kind Who of is that there? Who is that? It's me, looking extremely model-like. And this was uh, an ad that I did for Maxell Tapes back in 1981. And uh, it was at the height of the Bauhaus imagery thing, uh, where, where we were going out looking like we did. And I thought this would be quite uh, subversive to have, have the fans see me sort of appear in this like major major mainstream ad for uh recording did you get any kind of free tapes out of the deal i got a lot of free tapes out of the deal actually so it was uh so that's for uk fans what what's the difference between what about this, this peter the, the, that's the american version that's the 
the Midwest American version of. Because I've been buying that for years, thinking that's Peter Murphy. Uh, that isn't me. That, that that's a mid-Atlantic sort of model. The cleaned-up version. Yeah. No bats at all. Nothing at all. No, but these are not bats. These are geese. These are wild geese down. The, these are the you know the classic sort of uh, keech wild geese that are hung on many a brick wall, and they're not bats. Well, speaking of that, he's just like like an American actor who got much more money than I did for you know for doing like an American ad. <laughs> well, speaking of geese and birds, the Wild Birds tour you were here last time. But do you remember the time before when you were here in Vancouver with Bauhaus? You were playing, and there was another band playing that night. No, there was the Backstreet. No, oh, in town, you mean? Yes. The Backstreet Boys were playing the same night as Bauhaus were. We were aware. And I was driving into Vancouver to go to the Bauhaus gig, and I was looking at all the bus stops. There were all these people dressed in black at one bus stop, all these people dressed in white at another bus stop. And I thought, kind of, that's interesting. And then I thought, Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, what is the connection there? Jordan Knight of New Kids on the Block wears a Bauhaus t-shirt in one of his videos? The right stuff? No idea what the connection is. And in Chicago, this is the influence you've had, Peter, the band Chicago, you know, Peter Sitara. Do you remember his video, You're the Inspiration? He's wearing a Bauhaus shirt as well. Oh, that's, that's great, isn't it? Well, d definitely what I've got to say about that is a Bauhaus merchandise is the most bootlegged merchandise you can imagine on this, on this world. And, you know, we don't see a dime out of it. So that, that's a testament to the, to the merchandisability of Bauhaus and the sort of the bootlegging nature of... But what about, you know, yourself, like the people you inspire, Peter? Because I was reading some more stuff about you, and I was saying there were some people at a gig of yours um, a little while back, and some guy got a water bottle thrown at him by Peter D., your guitarist, Peter D. Mm -hmm. He threw a water bottle, and this guy in the crowd started bleeding. And instead of, like, you know, being horrified, his girlfriend was like, cool, he got hit by Peter D. of Peter Murphy's band, like all this fanatical love for the band, like blood, and yet it's still okay. Uh, Peter was talking about that actually at uh, the border crossing today and he was saying that that, that, was, that was a complete misunderstanding. I mean, he, he now hands them very gently to the audience because he was uh, having thrown a bottle and read that to his horror that he'd, you know, he'd cut somebody up during the show. He was, he was lucky, he felt lucky that he wasn't sued for that, jokingly, but... Uh, well, don't, yeah, don't I mean, play... He, he Don't downplay yourself a bit about there, because I read another review where it said a woman ended up in the hospital because she fainted at the gig, and she wanted you to come back and wanted more, like hospitals, blood, Peter. You do inspire quite a bit. Apparently so. The quite devotion. And have you heard of Bow, Wow, Wow? Yes. House? There's a tribute band called uh, Bow... Bow Wow Wow House, right. There's no, I haven't heard of Bow Wow Wow House. I've heard of Bow Wow Wow of the... Uh, yeah, the they're called Bow Wow Wow House, and right. they do all Bow Wow Wow songs done in a Bauhaus feel. Right, what's it like? Exactly as you would think it would be like. Do you like it? Um, I kind of like any music that makes me smile, so I kind of have a soft well, port for it. One for you, is it? Um, I don't know if I've it's... never heard them, you know. I can't admit to having heard of a Bow Wow Wow House, but... You know, we recently got asked to, uh, to license Bella Lugosi out to, to a new... Uh, comedy show which is based on a Japanese sort of uh, game show thing. Which it's not like Never Mind the Buzzcocks or anything like that, that British show. Used. So, so Bauhaus is becoming a bit of a, you know, it's also now becoming so picked up as being the, uh, 
you know, Saturday Night Live apparently on on their gothic skit play Bela Lugosi as uh, the soundtrack to their gothic jokes on there. So it's becoming a little bit sort of, uh, I don't know, undervalued, I think. Do you think, Peter, um, regarding goth, that perhaps um, you're one of the ones that still believes in it? Like, the Sisters of Mercy would never attend something like the Goth Convergence Festival. And actually, Corrine over here, your number one fan in Vancouver, fan in Vancouver, Corrine, you have a question for Peter about the Goth Convergence Festival. Yeah, I do. You played the Convergence Goth That's Music right. Festival mm -hmm. uh, last May in Seattle, and they brought you out as a surprise guest mm -hmm. on the last day. How did that all come about, and how that was, was that? That was uh, simply a... a the time I was talking to Bootleg TV, who were based in Seattle, and we were, uh, one of the ladies there, Violet, who worked at Bootleg TV, asked me to come and play at this uh, convention. And this was actually just like, a, this was an opportunity to see if this sort of tour would work, actually. This was the first occasion that I had the chance to, to walk out and play a very stripped down, actually the purely acoustic set in front of an audience who would be considered hardcore fans and uh, you know it was either it, it was kind of the acid test of this tour so that's why I did that it was kind of like a, a testing ground and where better to test it uh, than a, a gothic convention what's great you showed up because like Sisters of Mercy they want nothing to do with goth and you kicked right in there what do you think about goth being misunderstood as you're mentioning Saturday Night Live like David Bowie he's year zero for goth isn't he that's year zero for goth isn't it Peter Murphy it's been asked a lot of times so I can tell you after down now I have down no idea about gothic music whatever whatsoever I don't know any gothic bands other than Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails, uh, which every person in the street knows about. Well, what about the help sheets that they have out there? They have these help sheets that have been circulating around. And if you want to learn about goth, you can, Peter Murphy. And on these help sheets, if we could just uh, take a look here to the side, you can actually see... Sorry. Uh, th this is all mild childish occultic stuff, isn't it? No, actually, what well, is slightly, but it'll identify if you are interested in finding out if your kid is a goth or if you were a goth. Like, yeah. if one, somebody wants to find you or for goth... Oh, sorry, I just have to read... Uh, I just have to read off some of the things here. And it's like... Um, for instance, if you're wearing black clothing for girls, I, um, nylons, and fishnets, yes. If you're wearing yes. silver jewelry, right. if you have hair dyed black, if you have black and white makeup, or if you carry a box, especially black and white with silver tinges, you are a goth. What are you asking me then? No, I'm saying, what do you think about these help sheets that have been distributed out there? Because according to this, Peter, one of the bands listed, I guess, is Ballhouse. Right. What do I think about that? I think absolutely nothing at all about that. <laughs> and, um, what do you think about it, sweetheart? Well, I think it's kind of scary in a way that they try to identify all that stuff if you're carrying around with like a lunch That's what kit. Happens, isn't it? That's what happens in, uh, with movements, isn't it? And uh, myths and legends and bands and rock and roll. And Kareen, you have a question too. This is Kareen again, Vancouver's number one Peter Murphy fan. Kareen actually worked at a hairdresser's place once, and some guy came in looking for a Peter Murphy haircut, and she had a hard time finding all the stuff, didn't you? Well, yeah, I did, because there's so many different looks, but mm. he ended up just with a spiky, very stylish, well, spiky well, now short. now it's easy. Just look. Cut it off. Lose a bit of hair up here. Go a bit. Recede here a bit, and just cut it all off, and don't worry about it just wake up and don't even comb it is simple now just shore it all off 
Very low maintenance, then, in other words. Cut it off, yeah. But, Karine, you were wondering about Kill. <laughs> yes, down in Seattle, also for the Recall album, you were working with uh, KMFDM. Right. And that album was really heavily programmed and electronic. Mm -hmm. And now, like you said before, this tour is a little more downscaled, more no, austere. This, just, this has got nothing to do with that EP, really. I mean, that was really well. I wasn't working with KMFDM. I was working with Sasha Konietzko and Tim Scold out of KMFDM, who was a... Uh, and I pulled a group of people together, including um, Bill Rieflin, and the four of us made that EP. So, uh, so that was yeah, very much an uh, electronic uh, sort of approach on those covers of those songs, with with a couple of new compositions that I included, and one of which was like like an acoustic version of uh, Big Love of a Tiny Fool, which I'm doing now on this tour. So that was the, those were the seeds of sort of starting to play songs in a very stripped down acoustic sort of way, and uh, that that's gave me the idea to add a couple of those numbers on the last tour, the Wild Birds tour, onto then just like a one-off little uh, surprise appearance to test the idea out in front of an audience in a longer version of that. So I played about half an hour in Seattle, and. Uh, and now here we are doing like a one-off it's, it's not really acoustic tour really, it's just very stripped minimalistic and very sort of uh, bare stripped of the artifice and the uh, you know, the decoration of of the band and you know, the imagery and the theatrics in a sense Sulalamekam Pardon? Sulalamekam? No, that, I think that's Hebrew, isn't it? Oh no, I was trying to say hi in Turkish No, that's not hi but you do live in Turkey, though, right? Very bad Turkish, young man. Oh, I'm sorry, I had it written out phonetically. Sula Mekum? No. The reason I was told that is on my... Salam Oh, sorry about that. Salam Actually, the, uh, the Hebrew version is more like your pronunciation, actually. Shulam Well, Peter, winding up here, did you ever meet Klaus Nomi at all? Do you mention the grid? No, I didn't. Ever. Did you ever see him in concert? No, I didn't. How about that motorbike? Did you get a hold of that motorbike? What motorbike? You said you wanted to get a motorbike at one time. No, no, I haven't bought that yet. But that's that's uh, a BSA Tiger. No, no, Triumph Tiger. I want to get, which is an off-road bike, which I might get so, this year. And how are your pants holding up? You had some exploding pants on one of the Bauhaus tours. Oh, uh, I think Mary Jo's got those. Uh, tour manager has those as a as a memory of the tour. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time, Peter. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there no, at all? Thank you. No. <laughs> thanks so much. Keep thank on rocking in the, keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 loot do. What can you do with this person? Do 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 loot do. Ikmek. Help him sometime afterwards. Oh, Peter. Do 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 loot do. Keep on taking the pills.
Hi there. How do you do? I'm your new neighbor, Herman Munster. So very nice of you to call. Down, Spot, down. Uh, spot. Down, boy. Scott. <laughs> Spotty gets so excited when we have company. Won't you come in? Ah, fine. Why are you staring at me like that? I mean, haven't you ever seen a person with green skin before? Or did I bolt my head on crooked this morning? Oh. Oh, I bet you're always nervous when you meet new people. <laughs> well, that's very understandable. But you know, shyness can be carried too far. Now, you take our mailman. When I think of how shy he is, I positively shudder. <laughs> Instead of coming to our front door with the mail, he just throws it over the fence and runs. <laughs> so untidy. But I guess I shouldn't complain. You know, it takes all kinds of people to make a world. Some folks like sweets and honey, and weather bright and sunny. Well, it takes all kinds of people to make a world. It's kooky and it's zany, not to like it when it's rainy. But it takes all kinds of people to make a world. I only go out walking when it's dark as pitch. The kind of night that's oh so right for man or witch. It's positively eerie when folks are bright and cheery. Well, it takes all kinds of people to make a world. <laughs> it's positively eerie when folks are bright and cheery. Well, it takes all kinds of people Yes, very funny people. It takes all kinds of people to make a world. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> well now, uh, let's not stand here. Why don't we both go in the living room? Hmm? Here we are. Now, take a chair. Oh, no, uh, not that one. That's an antique we bought at the prison surplus store. <laughs> Let me sit down and show you how it works. Now, my arms go here. And my legs here. There, now. I'm all strapped in. Now, to turn it on, you just pull that switch right there. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> Pull. Ooh, that feels good. <laughs> oh, oh, it's amazing how 10,000 volts can relax a body. Herman, where are you? Oh, that's Mrs. Munster. Right here, dear. We have a visitor. Oh. Who is it, Herman? Just a little friend of mine who happened to drop by. <laughs> How nice. I'm always dying to meet new people, and everyone is always welcome at the Munsters. When you're passing by the Munsters, you will give us such a thrill if you'll just walk up and knock upon our door. 
It's a lovely place to visit if you've got some time to kill and it's not like any house you've seen before. Out in the back the wolves are howling. Shrieking bats fly overhead. And when we give a party, we really give a party. It's guaranteed enough to wake the dead. Don't wait to be invited. Step right up and give a knock. Oh, so lightly and politely on our door. We'll be happy and delighted if we hear your gentle knock. Oh, so lightly and politely on our door. Oh, so lightly and politely on our door. Come in. Oh. Oh, uh, that was very nice of you, Lily, to make our friend feel at home. Now, why don't you introduce our guest to some of our pets? Oh, I'd just love to. Uh, let's go over here and meet the raven who lives in our clock. Uh, lots of folks have a cuckoo clock, but we have the only raven clock in town. Raven, come out here and meet someone. Uh, I said, come on out, raven. When are you going to start doing what you're told? Never more! Never more! That bird is getting fresher every day. <laughs> I know. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart Alec raven. Oh, uh, say, Lily, maybe our guest would like to meet our kitty cat. Why, of course. Here he is lying on the sofa. Just listen to him purr. <laughs> if you rub his ears, he'll meow for you. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. There. Wasn't that cute? You're a nice little kitty, aren't you? Kitty likes visitors. Maybe the next time you come over, you can bring a friend. And if you can't find a friend, we'll help you dig one up. <laughs> Speaking of digging, Herman, our guest hasn't met Grandpa yet. Oh, well, we can go meet him right now. Good. Oh, and while you and your visitor go down in the dungeon, something in the kitchen. I just might have some warm lady figures in the oven. See you soon. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there a little bit of the monsters singing. And before that, an interview with... Peter Murphy of Bauhaus, and you heard a bit of Bauhaus in there as well. Coming up, an interview with Marilyn Manson. But before we get to Marilyn Manson, some music to prepare you for Marilyn Manson. Have a brand new 7-inch here by local Vancouver rock and rollers Joyce Collingwood, and we're going to hear a couple tracks off the B-side, Angst, Oil Spill, Who Cares, and Good Dog. This all by Joyce Collingwood from her brand new 7-inch that has eight songs on it at 45 RPM. Joyce Collingwood on Denardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And then Marilyn Manson!
are you? Who aren't I? Is a better question. You are Marilyn? I'm Marilyn. I'm Manson sometimes. Uh, my parents gave me the name of Brian Warner. Um, some people call me Doctor as a nickname, but uh, I'm a little bit of everyone. That's what I try and remind people that no matter how bad or different or uh, interesting or strange people think I am, uh, there's a little bit of everybody in me. And you're up here in Vancouver, BC, Canada, talking about your throbbing, uncircumcised member. Please tell us a bit about that, Marilyn Madsen. Not my throbbing, uncircumcised member. I'm circumcised. It, it may be throbbing from time to time. Uh, I was pointing out uh, how the words uh, are letters arranged in different ways. When you arrange them just right, you get things like throbbing, uncircumcised members. Now, Marilyn Manson, you can also arrange numbers, numerology. On your first couple of records, there was quite a bit of numerology. Lately, hasn't been as much. Any comment? Uh, there still has been numerology. This time around on the new record, I was using a lot of the numbers that exist uh, in the tarot. It was very esoteric numerology and things like that. But 15 is my number. Aren't you working on some tarot cards, too? Is there going to be Marilyn Manson tarot cards? I know there were some sort of tarot cards, but is there going to be Marilyn Manson tarot cards? I think we may eventually put out a deck. Uh, I like the aesthetic value in all tarot cards, so I wanted to do my own. Is there Marilyn Manson lipstick? There used to be, strangely enough. There was uh, at one point. Uh, it was bright red, but uh, now there's no Marilyn Manson lipstick. I have an action figure, though. Which is not safe for children under the age of four. But That's not a Todd McFarlane one, is it? No. Uh, I thought everyone does the Todd McFarlane doll. So I sought out some Japanese manufacturers who allowed me to include uh, weapons and throbbing members in my action figures. So it would be much more interesting than the average Todd McFarlane ones. Although he is Canadian, and you are in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, right, Marilyn Manson? I am a fan of Todd McFarlane but I just had to have guns and throbbing members in my doll. So what about some of the imagery that you really like? Jodorowsky or Kenneth Anger. What can you say about that sort of stuff? You kind of um, really enjoy that type of stuff, don't you, Marilyn Manson? Enjoy. You kind of enjoy that stuff. Um, I think it's, it's the type of... Uh, they're both the filmmakers that uh, inspired the era that we're in, you know, and, uh, and I like to pay tribute to them. I think Kenneth Anger is kind of way out there as well as Jodorowsky. But, uh, what can you tell people about them for people that don't know? Well, Kenneth Anger was someone who was very much involved in the occult and worked with the Rolling Stones and Jimmy Page. And uh, I think his films were more experimental than Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky is someone I'm actually making a movie with later this year or early next year, hopefully, called Abel Cain. So that's an honor for me because well, he's one of my heroes. He's 70 now, but he's still a genius as always. And you are Marilyn Manson? No, Marilyn, you love films. What could you say about some of these films that are just jotted down, you know, and the importance of them? And number one, The Holy Mountain. That's, that's my favorite Jodorowsky film. I think it's, uh, it deals with uh, religion in a, in a different storytelling sort of way. And the imagery, uh, every scene, I think, is just something uh, beautiful. Even if you turn the sound off, it's just a beautiful film to watch, something that's inspired a lot of my videos. What about even dwarves started small? 
I actually have that film as well. I thought that that was... Uh, That's Werner Herzog, right? Werner Herzog, yes. Uh, very, uh, I guess he's an eccentric, sort of uh, the German version of a Jodorowsky in a way. I like that movie. I thought it had a lot of... Uh, they used dwarves to tell, uh, I guess, a more universal story about discrimination. I thought it was a good, good movie. Now, speaking of Japanese, Mojo the Beast. That one I haven't seen. Moju, the blind beast, I should say. <laughs> I still haven't seen that one. Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg. I, I've seen all Cronenbergs, but I'm not familiar with that one. Marilyn Manson, David Lynch, Eraserhead. You like that flick, right? Who doesn't really like it, right? Of course. Not my favorite of his, but I, I do enjoy it. Now, there's a rumor. Are you going to be working on a movie with... Uh, David Lynch there. Are you going to be working a little movie with him that has Billy Ray Cyrus in it? I heard there's a little rumor you're going to be working with Billy Ray Cyrus in a mullet, Marilyn Manson. It sounds like a fantastic idea, but uh, no, that's not true. I did do a tiny cameo in Lost Highway. Um, I think uh, Lynch is kind of going in a different direction with his films now. I think uh, more of a mainstream. So I'm not real sure what his next film is, but... Uh, Always a fan and uh, consider him a friend, but I don't have any Billy Ray Cyrus projects coming up. Marilyn Manson, did you once approach Jella Biafra to be in a film? Jella Biafra once told me this, and Marilyn Manson had approached him. I met him in Europe, and uh, I may have been drunk and said, let's make a movie, but uh, I didn't approach him. He approached, we approached one another. Do you think he might be in a movie, or do you think you might put him in a movie? Didn't he play a Canadian border guard in a film? Yes, he did in Highway 61 by Bruce McDonald. That's exactly right. I saw that. I wouldn't be opposed to putting him in a film. Well, Marilyn Manson, speaking of hockey hair and mullets, Creed. What about Creed? Are they really the striper of the new millennium? Those are your words, not mine, but I think that that's a quite an accurate description. Actually, I thought you might have actually said that. I noticed it on the MetalSludge.com website. Have you checked that one out at all, Marilyn Manson? Metal Sludge? I've seen that. Well, I can say this without uh, using any defamation of character, that uh, if they are the striper and they are the Christians that they say they are, I have seen them at uh, liquor-serving establishments, which I find to be very unchristian-like. No, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, Marilyn Manson, but um, if you could hold the mic here for one second. Sure. Uh, what... What do you see? What, this, I think, really offends you. Just uh, put the mic to your face. What do you see here? I see a very hairy chest. But it's quite impressively shaped, though. There's a, there's a symmetry to the way the hair is grown on your chest. Now, I understand, Marilyn Manson, that that kind of disgusts you slightly. Not necessarily. If it's... Uh, I myself don't like chest hair on my own body, but I don't mind it on other people's bodies. That's, that's their body. Marilyn Manson, Quiet Riot. Did you bring them in one time to play a private party? Did you help bring them back? Unfortunately, I think I may have been responsible for bringing them back. I did, uh, did have them play a party. Come on, feel the noise. Why? What happened? Have they been hitting you up for opening spots now? No, but they, they were on some uh, VH1 return of something or other, and... Uh, I feel like uh, I put them back into the public eye, which maybe would not have been a good thing to do. Marilyn Manson, what about King Diamond? Are you a big King Diamond fan at all? Uh, 
the rest of my band is, but I, ne I missed the King Diamond thing when I was into metal. Somehow it escaped me. Because for people that don't know, there's a lot of comparisons between Marilyn Manson and King Diamond, aren't there? Our voices are very similar. He has that real high thing that I can't really do. But, but like the name, you know, King Diamond, Marilyn Manson, you both sing about the occult, and you're both ordained by priests, by Anton LaVey. Is he also? Yes, he was the first rock and roller ever to be ordained a priest of the Church of Satan. The guy from King Diamond. King Diamond. Just like you, Marilyn Manson. Well, I guess maybe we're not so different. Marilyn, I was wondering, when you were ordained a high priest, did you actually get to check out Anton LaVey's place? Because friends of mine actually have a couch from the ritual chamber. What's it like there? Um, he, he, I considered him to be a good friend. I, I've spent uh, many occasions at his house. Um, I think it was what, what people would expect, I guess. You know, it, he, it lived up to my expectations. It was, it was a nice place. Did you cry when he died? I didn't cry, but I, I, I was sad because I, I, it was kind of like a, an uncle, in a way, to me. You don't think he's going to come back as a vat, bat at all, do you? I would hope that he would. That would be probably his dream. Well, Marilyn Manson, a couple quick questions here. You covered I Put a Spell on You by Screaming Jay Hawkins. I did. That's a great song. Now, he recently died. Did you realize he had sex 21 times a day? No, but that's a fantastic thing that may have uh, caused his death in some way. Have you ever been able to compete with that number of all Maryland 21 times a day for sex? Do you think you'll be able to be up there with Screaming Jay? I think I'm an 11 is, is, is my average. He also had 57 kids. That's a lot of kids. A lot of mouths to feed. A lot of skulls to shake. Well, sorry, 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 we have to go. <laughs> oh, um, they have a plane to catch. They're going to be late. Uh, just just going to ask you one last thing. Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. I did an interview with Corey Feldman a little while back, and he was stoked to be in your book, but then he was kind of scared because did you turn on Corey Feldman? Because I know you're a great Corey Feldman fan, Marilyn Manson. What was the deal between you and Corey Feldman? I think he was uh, disappointed that um, some of the comments I made about him, but I felt that they were all in... Uh, good spirits. I wasn't trying to be cruel to him. Well, you but said he, he, was, he was never the actor that Patrick Dempsey was. I find him to be my favorite 80s actor. You said it was offensive hanging him with, was, would be with pissing in a deaf girl's ear, him and Leif Garrett. That's what you said in Pulse magazine. No, I think that's mixed up a little bit. There was some pissing in the deaf girl and there was Leif Garrett, but they were never all in the same room. Great. Well, thanks so much. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. A trip to the moon made possible by computer technology, the same technology that guides our spacecraft to the outer edges of our solar system and beyond. So, Welcome to the computer age. Welcome to the 21st century. What? It's here already? Wow, I must have overslept. <laughs> well, no, Jane, but computers have accelerated scientific progress to the point that if you blink an eye a little too long, you may be missing out on something. And at the rate we're moving ahead, Century 21 is coming up fast, and we'd better be ready, because from all indications, it's going to be a computerized world out there. You mean everyone is going to be using computers, hmm? 
But I thought that most computers were huge, expensive, complicated machines run by PhDs in white coats. Yeah, well, that's all changed due to truly great technological advances in the past few years. Today's personal microcomputer is no larger than a small appliance. Hmm. And you definitely do not need a doctor's degree in science or math to operate one. Good. But you may still wear a pretty white coat if you wish. <laughs> just think, Steve. Eighty years ago, families were just getting used to the home telephone. And you know, it was only about 50 years ago that the electric refrigerator became widely used. Mm -hmm. And even 30 years ago, only about one family per block had a TV set. And now, you and now Jane, microcomputers are being used everywhere. Uh, In the home, a computer may be used to store and maintain household records, mm -hmm. keep track of banking and financial transactions, communicate with the world, tap vast sources of information, contribute immeasurably to educational activities, provide many intellectual challenges, and a great deal of family recreation and entertainment. Yeah. Some experts are even predicting that the home computer will eventually replace radio, TV, newspapers, and magazines. <gasps> it will, in fact, be a real window on the world, an electronic communication center like nothing we've ever seen before. Wow. Oh, that is exciting. Well, I suppose it goes without saying that we should all start getting involved in the computer revolution. Yes, it goes without saying all right, but we're going to say it anyway. <laughs> and that's the whole idea behind this recording. We want to make everyone aware that computers are already an important part of our lives now and will become increasingly more so with each passing day. Yes, and let's not forget the children, Steve. Because the sooner kids get started in the world of computers, the more comfortable they'll be with them later on. Well, it's just like learning a language. It's easier if you start when you're young. Right. And this recording will teach you some of the basics of construction, operation, and programming of computers. It'll also cover some major points to consider when you decide to shop around for a home computer. Finally, we want to convince you that computers are not mysterious and forbidding. No. Anyone can learn to operate one, mm -hmm. can learn computer programming, and furthermore, this can be learned uh, at any age. Hmm. And in case anyone has any doubts about the importance of computers at the present time, just look around you. All banking is controlled by computers, and uh, businesses use them for everything from farming and food processing to tax records and traffic control. And right. Education has been streamlined by computers. Yeah. Doctors use them for the diagnosis and treatment of disease. Wars are fought with them. Graphics in print, motion pictures, and TV are now being created by computers. In fact, the newspaper you read and much of the mail you receive is produced by computers. Well, I'm sold, Steve. But now, let's begin by defining precisely what a computer is. A computer is essentially an electronic machine that can follow instructions, store and manipulate words and numbers, and make decisions based on the information and instructions it receives, and all in split seconds. Unbelievable. All computers, from the largest industrial type to the smallest microcomputer, have four distinct parts or sections, as you can see if you look at figure one in your instruction booklet. The first part is called the input section. Input section. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This provides for a number of different ways of feeding information into the computer. Such as? Well, a typewriter keyboard, a magnetic tape, such as the kind you use in cassette players, or a magnetic disk. Oh. Information that's fed into the computer goes into the memory section. Memory section. Yes, where it's stored until needed. 
When this information is recalled from memory, it goes to the central processing section. Central processing section. Well, now, that's obviously the brain of the computer, where the mathematical computations and word manipulations take place, right? Right. Now, as this processing of inputted information occurs, the results are sent back to the memory section to be stored until called for. Now, the last part of the computer is the output section. Output section. Mm -hmm. It consists of one or more ways of retrieving processed information, such as a TV screen for visual display, a printer for hard copy, or a magnetic tape or disk for mass storage of information. Now, Steve, we hear a lot about software and hardware, but it obviously doesn't refer to ladies' lingerie or um, things one buys in a hardware store, so what exactly does it mean? Well, the information that's fed into the computer in the form of programs and data uh -huh. is called software. Ah. The computer itself as well as any add-on equipment, is called hardware. As they say in the business, if you can kick it, it's hardware. <laughs> now, computer software is available in the form of cassette tape, which is fed into the computer using a common cassette player, or programs may be obtained on a magnetic disk, which is, here's that word again, inputted into the computer by means of a more efficient and more expensive disk drive. Ah, I see. Well, now, Steve, there are some other computer terms that need explaining, such as RAM and byte. Have you ever been bitten by a RAM, Steve? <laughs> no, Jane, just by the computer bug. <laughs> now, RAM, R-A-M, yeah. stands for Random Access Memory. Ah. It is the memory section that the user can control. Information stored in RAM is in memory, however, only as long as the power is on to the computer, you see? Now, the contents of RAM, again, which is random access memory, the contents can be cleared, emptied, and changed at will. It's uh, like your food freezer, the contents of which are protected from loss only as long as the freezer is turned on. Mm -hmm. Now, just as you can buy a big freezer to store more food, you can enlarge the amount of RAM in your computer, mm -hmm. depending on your particular needs and the limitations of your budget. Ah. Okay. Now, what does the term byte mean? Well, byte, which is spelled B-Y-T-E, oh. a byte is a single character, letter, numeral, or even a blank space being stored in memory. Ah, wait a minute. So a phrase like big dog would use up six bytes, huh? Uh, no, Jane, seven. because Why? Well, because of the space between oh. the two words, you see? I see, yeah. Anyway, RAM is measured in bytes. Now, one K of bytes is approximately a thousand bytes. You can buy a microcomputer that can store anywhere from 1K to 256K mm. bytes. But you see, the more K of RAM, the more a computer will do, and the more it'll cost. Then we have the term ROM, R-O-M. Mm -hmm. That means read-only memory, which refers to the memory section which operates the computer, correct? Yeah, that's it, Jane. Thank you. ROM, <laughs> R-O-M, is available for use when the computer is turned on and is never lost or changed. It's similar to the operating system of your freezer. It's always there and ready to do its job every time the freezer is turned on. Now, when comparing computer capabilities, it's important to remember that the more ROM... Read-only memory. Mm -hmm, the more sophisticated the operating system and the more features available to the user. Now, it's entirely possible for a computer to have a large amount of ROM 
and little RAM. Hmm. This is uh, comparable to a small freezer with many features. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, now as a consumer, it's important to remember that all computers are expandable. This means that you can start with a small amount of RAM and add to it as your needs increase. It's also possible to add ROM, meaning more features, to most computers. Most arcade-type games are available as ROM cartridges. Right. These, you know, just plug in directly to the computer and take over as the exclusive operating system, which means when these cartridges are plugged in, the computer is a game machine only and cannot function in any other way as a computer. A very important factor to consider when purchasing a computer is its ability to be expanded in both RAM and ROM. That's right. Another aspect of the expandability of your computer is peripheral or add-on hardware. See figure two in the booklet. Now this includes such fascinating and useful gadgetry as the cassette player, disk drive, and printer. A device known as a modem, M-O-D-E-M, hooks up your computer to the telephone. This allows your computer to talk to other computers or draw upon information stored in huge computer data banks. It's like having a hotline to the public library. But don't forget the fun and games department, Steve. You can buy a joystick or game paddles fairly inexpensively for family fun. You might also want to invest in a light pen, which allows you to draw pictures directly on your computer's TV screen. You can also add a sound box, which is used to pick up and amplify programmed sound effects, music, and speech. There's one last little item, Jane, that makes all of this incredible activity happen. What's it, that? It's called a chip or microprocessor chip. Chip? Mm-hmm. See figure three. Now, each of these remarkable little chips consists of millions of microscopic circuits and switches. The board inside the computer contains many of these chips, all hooked up in specialized groups to perform specific functions. For example, there are groups of chips for RAM, ROM, and processing. Now that we've covered the anatomy of the computer, Steve, we arrive at the really important part. Just exactly what can we do with a computer? Good question, Jane. I thought so, too. <laughs> I was also to ask it in case you forgot. Anyway, when you acquire a computer, you'll almost immediately begin searching for software, that is, programs already on tape or disk. This is important because a computer without software is like a camera without film. You'll be shopping around for programs on tape that you can load into your computer just as you would handle an audio tape and a cassette player. You'll also find programs on discs that are used very much like phonograph records. Mm -hmm. And let's not forget, Steve, that you don't have to buy all your software. You can join a club. Right. You can indeed, since there are many user groups and organizations that offer software in quantity at practically giveaway prices, sometimes just for the cost of a blank tape. And there's a wide range of software to choose from. You can get software to help you organize your entire household. Balance your checkbook, compute your income taxes, inventory your books and records, plan a diet, analyze your home heating usage, chart your investments, or even print out mailing labels for your Christmas cards. And if you want to turn homework into a really enjoyable exercise for your kids, there are plenty of programs dealing with math or languages that'll turn the study hall into a game room. Or a music room. You can obtain software that can turn the computer into an organ, and you can actually play melodies on the keyboard. Right. 
Or you can command the computer to create its own songs and play them for you. I think you're trying to put me out of business. <laughs> no, seriously, Steve. You can even get a program that makes your computer talk in any language. Wow, you can brush up on your Chinese. Yes, and these programs can even teach you to speak a foreign language. If you do a lot of typing, you can get rid of your old horse and buggy typewriter and get a word processing program for your computer. Add a printer and start to type the modern way with an ability to insert and delete words and letters, juggle sentences and paragraphs around, edit copy with the flick of a button, store what you've written on tape or disk, and print out as many copies as you need wow. when you need them. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And with a modem, you can hook up your computer to the telephone. And that means that you can communicate with computer services and data banks from which you can display and print out wire service news reports, stock market quotations, magazine and newspaper features, make instant hotel and airline reservations, and even do shopping in seconds. And instead of giving all their allowance money to the local arcade, your kids can play the latest video games at home. Mm. Since many of these games are available for microcomputers on uh, tape, disc, and ROM cartridges. These games are really challenging tests of skill and resourcefulness, and playing them actually develops excellent hand eye coordination in youngsters. You know, Steve, I think the best part is to learn to program the computer yourself. Because you can create and design your own games, as well as many other useful functions at home, office, or whatever. You don't have to know how to program the computer in order to be actively involved in all the marvelous things we've been talking about. But your ability to program will help open whole new vistas in your computer experience. Jane, we've now come to that uh, moment of truth. We've made a firm decision to buy a computer. Yeah. This is the time now to do some serious evaluation as to the important factors to consider when you begin comparison shopping. Yes, and the advice from most experts in the field is to start with a minimum system. You can always add components as you become more sophisticated in computer operation. You might, for example, start with a very basic computer with just a few K of RAM. Some computers of this type are available for as little as $100. However... Since most software requires a minimum of 8K RAM, you would have to beef up your basic system almost immediately for it to be of any practical use. Low-priced computers utilize a flat marked plastic sheet instead of a full-stroke typewriter keyboard. Although difficult to type on, they're designed to have individual keystrokes that substitute for full words which constitute the computer programming commands. One possible advantage to such a keyboard is that it's more immune to such things as spills and to key damage than the regular individual key types. Are you with me, Jane? Oh, all the way. <laughs> but, Steve, personally, I might prefer to spend, let's say, $200 and um, mm -hmm. get a computer with a regular typewriter keyboard and more RAM. This seems to me like a pretty good deal when you consider that prices for computers alone can run up to several thousands of dollars. These more expensive models, of course, have more RAM, more ROM, and greater expandability. Yeah. Well, RAM, ROM, and expandability notwithstanding, one way or another, you've also got to have a TV display. You know, some computers come with the TV built in with a screen that uh, shows up in black and white or sometimes green and white. That's it? No lavender or hot pink? <laughs> I was hoping you'd ask that. As a matter of fact, a color computer connected to a color TV set produces some very spectacular effects, especially with games. Now, for computers with no built-in TV, it's common practice to just uh, hook it up to the antenna of your home TV set. 
A switch enables you to change from regular TV reception to computer display. The display aspect of your computer is very important since you're watching it constantly. But I've noticed that there's a wide range of differences in the resolution and the clarity of the display. By that I mean differences in such things as the realism of the graphics, legibility of print, size of letters on the screen, and the number of letters or characters displayed across one line of the screen. Yes. Most commonly, displays range from 22 characters per line to 64. If you're going to do a lot of word processing on your computer, it's highly desirable to acquire a display of 80 columns. Why? Well, because that's the same as a typewriter line, you see. Ah. Now, another thing you'll need is a way of storing and retrieving programs, such as a cassette player or disk drive. Some computers can use any type of cassette player, while others can only use that particular kind that's made by the computer manufacturer. Well, so much for the basic system. Now, all of the other peripherals we've talked about can always be added later on, providing your system is expandable. Another major consideration in purchasing a computer is the availability of software. As a general rule, a computer that's new on the market will have far less software available than a unit that's been around for a while. Ah, but now what if my computer breaks down? Is maintenance a big problem? Happily, Jane, because computers have few moving parts, maintenance is really not much of a consideration. Ah, good. When your machine does need servicing, the place to contact is the service facility nearest you that's authorized by the manufacturer to repair your computer. Well, Steve, we've covered about everything, I guess. Yep, and it wasn't all that mysterious or complicated after all. No, no, as a matter of fact, for the little bit of getting used to that's involved, when I think of all the advantages, the educational values, the intellectual stimulation, the almost unlimited practical daily applications, and all the fun and games, you know, I can hardly wait to get my hands on one. And so you will, Jane, because that takes us into the next part. So whether you're the proud new owner of a computer or want to follow along by simulation, let's have a go at the business of putting the computer to work. Let's. <laughs>